Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Man, good to see each other. Another great crowd today. Thank you so much for being here. We had a big crowd in the first service as well. Uh, so thank you. Thanks for being a part uh, of the in-house crowd. I want to welcome all of our people that join us online. We have a beautiful group, beautiful church uh, online. So thank you and good morning to you as well. Uh, appreciate you so much. Your faithfulness, uh, your comments, uh, things you send throughout the week. I appreciate that a lot. So we're in a series. Uh, this is week three of that series. I've, uh, the text for the series is John 15. And uh, John 15 is a series of messages that, that the church, I believe, is positioned for today. I believe this text speaks more today than anything in the world. I mean, this is what the, this is God. God has kind of set up a situation, set up uh, our country, so to speak, in a situation or in a place where John 15 is just waiting to erupt in people's lives. And so I think he's called on the church corporately and individually to begin to walk out John 15. And I hope you see that more today. So I titled the message uh, simply Cut or Prune. It's just a cut or prune. And so uh, I want you to go to your word because I don't want to waste any time jumping into the word. Go to John chapter 15. I want to begin in verse one. We kind of touched on one last week, but the main text today is two, but one is short and it needs to be said as well. So starting one, John chapter 15. I am, Jesus says, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So here's what I want you to do. Last week, we talked about the importance of making sure we understood or had a good grasp of the participants in this text. You've got to understand who they are. Number one, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Listen to me. There is absolutely no way, no way you can produce fruit if you're not connected to the vine. There's just no way. You cannot do it. If you could do it, he didn't have to do it, all right? He is the true vine. He is the source of life. When you got saved and when you got born again, you were grafted in, became a part of the vine. Because you're a part of the vine, the Holy Spirit took residence in you, meaning the juice, the octane, the power is in you. To do what? To produce fruit, living, tangible, eating, recognizable fruit. And you can't do that apart from him. He says in the scripture, apart from me, you can do nothing. You're like, well, I can brush my teeth. He's not talking about brushing your teeth, and you probably ought to do it more often. But here's the deal. He's talking about producing fruit, and you can't do it without him. You can't do it. You can't do it without him. 
So you understand that Jesus says, I am the true vine. And through salvation, being born again, you are grafted into that vine and you tap into the Holy Spirit and it begins to birth fruit in your life. And he says, my father is the gardener. God, the father is the gardener. The one who in the garden spoke spoke you in the creation. In the garden, he was there. He was there at creation. He's God, the creator. He's God that wants to do that in us because we talked about in this series that pruning is letting the tree become all that God wants it to be. So the maker of the tree is God, and God is the gardener. He calls the shots. He's the one up above that says this, that, whatever. And you have got to understand that God can be trusted. You can trust the Father. He made you. He created you, all right? You can trust the one who is a sovereign, omnipotent God who sees the future and you don't, who knows tomorrow and you don't, who knows you better than you know yourself. You can trust him. And you have to understand that if you're grafted in, you will begin to produce fruit, okay? If you're not grafted in, you won't. And when you produce fruit or lack thereof, he's the gardener who calls the shots, prune it, cut it, whatever. And you can't say, I don't, I'm fine. Have you seen me? I am really good, all right? Listen to me. I know you're good. I'm looking at you. But God says, you don't understand. You think you're done. You think this is good. You think you're okay with this. But I'm telling you, this is not good for you. You gotta trust me. You say, well, God, what do you mean trust you? I'm fine. You're not fine. You're not fine. So who makes the call? The gardener. Who is he? God the Father. Question is, we talked about it last week, do you trust him? Do you trust him? So what is the fruit in verse two? I have a lot of people say, what is the fruit, Jeff? What are you talking about there? Okay, so I want you to go to your Bible. Go to Galatians. uh, Go to Galatians chapter five. Let's look at the fruit. Galatians five. Now we're gonna go into these more in depth in the coming weeks in this series, but I just want to reference them so you'll know what the fruit is, all right? Galatians chapter five, look at verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is No law. If you're connected, grafted into the vine, the Holy Spirit of God will produce in you these fruit. This is the fruit that comes out, all right? You say, well, I don't have any patience. I'm not gonna do good with patience. Patience comes from patience. Jesus is patient. You sit with Jesus, you tap Jesus, he'll help you with patience, all right? You say, well, I'm not gentle. It's not my personality. My dad wasn't gentle. My granddad wasn't gentle, and I'm not gentle. And my son is starting to be not gentle too. Well, dad, you need to get a grip on gentleness so he can get a grip on gentleness because gentleness comes from the father. You tap the father, he'll bitch your gentleness in you. You see what I mean? And we're gonna talk about that more, but you can't do this on your own, all right? This comes from the father. So let me ask you a question. You ever had a fever? Let me say it this way. You ever think you had a fever? 
You ever have those moments where I'm like, I feel like I have a fever. It's kind of achy, eyes kind of steam, and then you touch something to- cold, all right? All right? You, you go, ooh, that's cold. It's not normally cold. But so you feel like you have a fever. You think you have a fever. So you tell your wife, right? hey, give me, a, give me a thermometer. I'm gonna check my fever. So you check your fever. You got no fever. You're like, what? What do you mean I don't have no fever? I feel like I have a fever. I think I have a fever, but I don't have no fever. So you say, well, that thing that broke. Give me one of them ones that work. That thing's broke. Give me that old-fashioned one where you stick it on your armpit. That's bad. Don't stick it on your armpit and then put it in your mouth. You just like, put it on there. I don't like that. I, I, hold out your tongue and raise up. Hey, didn't you just put this under my arm? You just put this under my arm, now you put it in my tongue. See, that, you remember that? That thing will give you a reading, boy. I'm telling you, that's old-fashioned. It's hard to read them, but them things work, all right? So you take it out, and your mom's like, nope, you don't have a fever. Welcome to school. Oh, mom, you don't want to do that to the school. I got a fever. You have no fever. Go to school, all right? And we've all been there. Can I just tell you something? <laughs> Sometimes you think you got fruit. And then God puts around you thermometers. Married? How many married people in here? A spouse. He tell you if you got some fruit. Sometimes uh, they're scared to tell you about your fruit, all right? Your kids, you think you got fruit, and then you have children. Then your nine-year-old daughter says, Dad, you're not very patient. Dad, you're not very gentle. That's not very kind, all right? And you're like, woo, somebody's watching me. You see what I mean? So what happens is you think you got fruit, you think you got this, but you don't have no fruit. Listen to me. You can get a T-shirt from camp. You can get a bumper sticker. You can honk if you love Jesus, and you can go to church, but none of those things can produce fruit, Because if you're not tapped to the one true vine and Jesus doesn't live through you through the Holy Spirit, you will not have fruit. You won't produce fruit, man. You can't do it on your own. I know people that try to manufacture their own fruit. They try to look like, act like, and be what they're supposed to be because they see it in other people. And you can strain if you want to. But I'm going to tell you, you strain long enough and fruit won't pop out, something else will, and that's not a good thing, okay? So listen to me. You cannot strain to try to pop an apple. If it ain't in you, it ain't coming out bad out of you. And what will come out is not an apple, dude, okay? It's not an apple, all right? Listen to me. You can want to win the Kentucky Derby and you can put a horse in it, but if that horse doesn't have a racehorse in him, he ain't going to win that Kentucky Derby. Listen, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog, amen. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of people that go to church and try to produce a fruit and, and try to do something. But let me tell you something, going to church, dressing right, smelling right, eating right, all that stuff's not gonna get it done. The way to get it done is this, Jesus, you did it for me, not by works that I might boast, but by your grace. I give my life to you. I die to self. I'm making a mess of my life. I'm broken. I'm empty. I'm hopeless. And you are, I want you to come and save me and make me new. I want to be born again. I want you to become the living well that springs up to me to eternal life. And then you follow Jesus in what? Believer's baptism. Why? 
all right? It's not called lost people baptism. It's called believer's baptism, meaning you gotta be a believer first and then you follow him. And symbolism is you're buried with Christ in baptism. You're raised to walk a new life. How a new life? Because of what he did for you. Now you're tapped to the source. Now you're tapped to the one true vine, all right? Now you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the octane, the juice, and now you can go bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Even though you think you have fruit, even though you may feel like you have fruit, do you really have fruit? And you won't know until you're squeezed. When marriage squeezes you, you got fruit. When life squeezes you, when having kids squeeze you, when your schedule squeezes you, when world, the life squeezes you, does the fruit of you show or is the lack thereof show? Because here's the deal. We're all going to be squeezed. And what's in us will come out of us. And sometimes we think we have a fever. But the thermometer says, you ain't got no fever. You don't have what it takes to make a fever. Fevers don't come from outside. They come from inside. All right? You can rub against someone on the outside, but until it gets in you, it won't come out of you. Do you have fruit? I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. <laughs> Watch out for people that make false commercials for Jesus, right? Watch out for false prophets. They don't have to be pastors. I hope you understand that, right? We're all <laughs> commercials for Jesus. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are furious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does bear good fruit is that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit. Verse 16 says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Verse 20 says, thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Can I, can I help you personalize this a little bit? By my fruit, my fruit, you will recognize me. By my fruit, you will recognize me. So let me ask you a question. What fruit are you currently making? Where, what is your fruit? What is it? You say, well, Jeff, I don't, I don't even know that I've, I don't know that I have any fruit. Why not? Fruit naturally happens if you're tapped in to the main vine. You can't stop it 
from happening. You cannot stop it from happening. You, you absolutely are tapped in. The Holy Spirit of God is bubbling up through you. You're in his presence. You're in worship. You're in the word. You're rubbing with people that love Jesus. You begin to grow. If you grow, you're gonna produce fruit. So what is the fruit that's being produced in your life? What Can you recognize the fruit? Can you identify the fruit? Maybe, maybe I'll say it like this. Do we realize that our fruit speaks? Question is, what is it saying? What's my fruit saying? Let me, let me invite you to do something pretty scary. Why don't you ask the people that are around you 24-7 to identify your fruit and tell them what it's saying? Jeff, you're messing up my Sunday afternoon of football, all right? Because if we start there, I'm gonna miss the kickoff, halftime, and the ending. I'm just telling you, maybe you need to be missing some football. Because when was the last time you spent some time understanding the fruit you're producing and why it looks like that? Or maybe realizing, you know what? I'm not producing any consistent fruit in my life because I am not connected to the one true vine. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. I meet a lot of people, especially men, who try to produce their own fruit. That doesn't work. Men think they can, you know, you, sit, you tell a guy, I, I, I need, you need to put this in that round hole. You need to put this square peg in a round hole. I'll get it in there. I said, well, dude, it doesn't fit. Well, yeah, it does. They get a hammer and they try to shove it down in there. I said, do you not making any penetration of that? You're not gonna get that in that hole. Uh-huh, I just need a bigger hammer. So they get a bigger hammer and they hit it with a big old Texas-sized hammer. Oh, yeah, it's going in there, all right, but splinters are going everywhere. And while you force trying to have fruit in your life, your splinters are hitting everybody you love. And your wife and kids are bearing your splinters because you're forcing something out of you that's not in you because you need to tap the real source and let him become that in you. Listen to me, you can't make your own fruit, my friend. Your fruit speaks. The question is, what does your fruit say? It may be saying you're not connected to the vine. So let's look at, go back to John 15 again. I want to look at verse two. It's really got two parts. Look at the first. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Listen to me. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit fruit. Do you have branches like that in your life? Do you have branches in your life right now currently that bear no fruit? You know they don't. You know they're not good branches. You know they're dead. The deal is you're trying to hide them. You hide them. You, you've got a bunch of good stuff around them. All right, You hide them. You try to put your wise branches, the kids' activities, your schedule, your job, your title, your truck, your boat, all this stuff. You try to put all this good stuff around it so nobody sees those spots. I'm gonna say something to you. The gardener, the father, he sees them. And see, he wants to produce in you some health in those areas but until you get the dead stuff out, the new stuff can't grow. And some of us got some areas of our life that we need to cut some stuff out of. Maybe it's the places that you go. 
Are your feet going to places they should not go? Let me set the table for you. The gardener, the God of all creation, who knit you together in your mother's womb, made your feet. Are you taking the feet that he made you and going to places he doesn't want you to go? Are there places that your feet are taking you that you have no business being there? You shouldn't be there, you shouldn't go there, and you say, I'm not gonna do it again, but you keep on doing it. You need to cut your, you need to cut those places out. You need to cut them out because they are producing no fruit in your life. They're dead. They're taken away from everything in your tree because they're dead. And they're gonna choke out your tree if you don't get rid of them. Sometimes our feet take us where they shouldn't go. It's what God needs to cut out of your life where your feet go. Maybe it's what your eyes are seeing. The eyes are the most complicated thing you've ever seen in your life. And if you sit with any optometrist and ask him about the eyes, you'll say, man, I'm telling you, God, whoo, when God made eyes, God made something else, man. Are you taking the eyes that God made and looking at stuff you should not be looking at? The Bible says if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. Please don't pluck out an eye in church. Well, that we're trying to grow a church, not, not, not empty one, okay? I'm just saying, are you ready to cut out the stuff in your life that's not producing fruit? Some of us in here, if we got real honest, nobody else knows it but the gardener, but we're seeing stuff we shouldn't be seeing. And it affects us because it chokes out all the other fruit in our lives. See, our patience, our patience that we need in our life and we're asking God for. If you ask God for patience, but you keep looking at that stuff, it perverts patience in your life. If you need gentleness, you say, I'm tired of blowing up to my wife. I'm tired of blowing up in front of my kids. I'm tired of my temper running in my house. I'm tired of everybody wanting to walk around me because I'm like a ticking time bomb. I'm like a volcano. No one knows what's going on. God, I need you to help me with my patience. You keep looking at that stuff. And that stuff will just squash everything that you're praying for about patience. Why? Because it's dead. It's dead. And it needs to be cut. It needs to be removed. Because if you could stop, you would have stopped. If you wasn't going to do it anymore, you would have done that a long time ago. Quit promising yourself stuff you can't do and get tapped into the vine and let the one true vine pump juice in you called the Holy Spirit that can cut that stuff off. Because you can't do it. Some of you are 10, 15, 20 years into this stuff. You looked at it when you were 15. You kept looking at it. You tried to stop because you knew you couldn't get married and keep looking at it. Now you got kids, and they're going to find out you're looking at it, and you hide, and you hide, and you hide, and you hide. The gardener, the father says, I see you looking at that in the dark, and I see when no one else sees you looking, you got to cut it out. And I'm going to tell you right now, you say, well, that's not in the church. It is in the church. It's just not out there. And it'll kill every bit of growth in your life. It'll choke out all the fruit you're trying to produce. And it'll confuse a lot of people around you. What about your hands? Maker of your hands is God Almighty, the creator. Jeff, if I'm honest, my hands are touching things and doing things I shouldn't be doing. Won't you surrender your hands to the one that made them and your hands will bow to him. Some of you are trying hard, but you're not going to win this war, all right? James says if you could tame your tongue, you'd already tamed it. 
but nobody can tame a tongue but the maker of the tongue. Amen? When that tongue bows to Jesus, the only thing that can come out of that tongue is Jesus. Otherwise, you control it. It'll get you in trouble every time. How about the places you go where your feet are going, eyes are seeing, hands are touching? How about the things you do? Facebook's a beautiful thing. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, great vacation pictures, my kids' accomplishments. That's beautiful. Can I tell you one of the major wreckers of homes today? Facebook. Somebody has got to go ahead and say it. Oh, I'm going to click on here and message my ex-boyfriend. Why? You're a married woman. Well, I'm going to click on here and message my old girlfriend. Why? You got the girl God wants right, right, laying right by you. Well, it's tough right now. She don't give me no love because of all them kids and kids and kids. You chase after Jesus, she'll chase after Jesus. She'll find you and you'll be great. You tap it on your high school sweetheart's not going to cure anything, dude. Facebook can be a home wrecker. You might need to bow that to Jesus. You might need to cut that off. Some people just aren't spiritual mature enough to be on Facebook. I'm going to tell you that right now. And if that's you, stop. It's not producing any fruit. How about social media? Mm. Do we really need to hear all the podcasts, see all the news, and read all the reports of how bad it is? <laughs> I, I can just walk around for a little bit and know that, all right? Sometimes, man, we're not where we need to be to look at all that stuff because it robs our joy. It, 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 it makes us jumpy. It kind of it it makes us like after a football game. And we're hard to live with because we're all amped up. It's like we're on drugs or something. And what you are is you're mad. You, you're mad at where we are. You're mad at the leadership in the country. You're mad at everything going on. Fine. Then get on your knees and get in the presence of God and get on your face. Some of us are not mature enough to play social media police. If you're not, ask the Father. He'll cut it off if that need be. I'm going to say this too. Neighborhood pages are great if you lose your dog. Some of us don't need to be on neighborhood pages. Because I read some of them, I'm like, oh, snot. They go to my church. Woo! I heard them pray one time, and that didn't come out. Hey, listen to me. I'm just telling you, woo! Some of us aren't in a place where we need to go on those kind of things. If you know you're not, don't go. Because it's a terrible commercial for Jesus when you, with your bumper sticker of a fish on the back, say that kind of stuff. Honky if you love Jesus, but you just said that. I'm going to swerve and put you in the ditch is what I'm going to do because you need to stop driving and talking, all right? Listen to me. Some of us got to know the things that we're doing that need to be cut because they're not producing any fruit. They're dead. Quit produce, it's bad. Let him cut it. How about the people you hang out with? I knew you were going there, preacher. 1 Corinthians 15, says, don't be misled, don't be fooled. Bad company mm, will corrupt good character. Every time. My mom, when I was in high school, I was a good kid, I really was. I was so busy with sports, I couldn't get in trouble. The coaches kind of owned me which is good, but, but there was this one older kid 
He was just fun to be with. He wasn't good, but he was fun. And I would always try to sneak a little time with him. And it wasn't often, but my mom would know every single time. I'm like, I would come home and I would be doing stuff to help her and I would set the table and we would eat. And after dinner, she'd just look at me and go, you been around so-and-so, hadn't you? I'm like, what? She said, it just comes out. You need to cut it off, Jeff. Some of us hang out with people. We love them. They're good guys. They're good girls. We've been with the girls. We've been with the boys. Let me say something to you. If it's not good for you, don't be with the boys. If it's not good for your marriage, don't be with the boys. If it's not good for your marriage, don't be with the girls. When you get spiritual mature enough to do that, do that. But otherwise, cut it off. Because it's more valuable to honor God in your marriage than to be cool. Just saying. One day you can do both. But right now, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm not as mature as I think I am. I need to cut that out. Here's the deal. Do you have any branches in your life that need to be cut? Let me say it like this. Maybe you need to ask the father what he thinks. And just sit while he answers. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. It's a great hymn on a Sunday morning. It's another question of whether or not it still works on Thursday night. Mm. Let's look at the second half of 15. Some of y'all are like, thank the Lord. Right? Verse 2b says this, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Have you caught on to the fact that no branch is off limits? You can't ever get to a point in your life where he does not prune on you. He prunes you until you enter into heaven. You can't be so far that he doesn't prune you. He says, everything, every tree is my tree. I'm the creator. I'm the gardener. I'll look at it. I'll decide if it needs cut or if it needs prune. Even the stuff I prune, it can be good. It can be good. And we think, well, God, don't, don't prune that. It's good. It's good. It is good. But listen, he sees further than you see, and he knows more than you know. And he can prune it so that it will be what? More fruitful, gooder, better. You say, well, it's really good, Jeff. It's really good, Father. Don't prune it. That means you wanted me to do it, and I'm doing it. I'm doing it really good. Aren't you proud of me? Yes, I'm proud of you, but I'm about to prune it. Well, why would you prune something you gave me? Why would you prune something that I'm doing well and representing you? Because why? So I can make it even more fruitful because there's more in you than you know, and I'm about to tap the more you don't know. And I'm about to make you more fruitful in places you didn't even know. I'm gonna let other people grab from your tree that you don't even met yet. And if you keep doing this, it's good, but I want great. And I've called you for more than what I've called you for. Do you have any of those branches in your life? Let me ask you this. 
where is he, where is he, where does he need to prune you? Where? Maybe I should say it this way. Have you stopped long enough to ask him, the father, what he needs to prune? You say, oh, no, I'm busy doing stuff for Jesus. I ain't got no time to be stopping for him. If he's everywhere, get there. He's everywhere, but he'd like for you to sit with him so he can speak to you as a friend speaks to a friend. Are there branches that are off limits to him? If you understand the position that he is in, the father, there is none. Have you asked the father the question of whether I need pruned? You need to ask the question. So I go back to the story that I shared before with series about my grandfather pruning that live oak tree when I found him. I was only 12 years old. And he taught me about pruning. And I was watching him as he pruned this tree. In this one particular location, there was this branch, and it was beautiful. It was coming up. And it was straight, it was gorgeous, and he's already putting on a lot of branches. And then he had these two beside it that kind of went off one left, one right. And I was like, and he's looking at this, he's walking from all kind of different sizes and angles looking at it. And I'm, I'm thinking back here at 12 years old, I'm thinking, you gotta cut them two to doing that thing of forks, them things are jacked up. You need to cut them, them things are bad. I don't know what they're gonna do the rest of their life. You need to cut them off, all right? And so I'm 12, <laughs> didn't know much, and my grandfather's looking at it, and I started to say, Granddad, what you doing? Because he put the saw to the middle one. And I didn't want to interrupt the gardener, the father, so I watched him, and he cut it. He cut the whole thing off, and then ripped it out of the middle and drug it off. And I said, Granddad, what did you do that for? That, that tree, that branch is gorgeous, straight, we don't have straight stuff in the panhandle, but that was a straight in South Texas. It was beautiful. It was straight up. I said, why'd you cut that one and leave these two? His answer is gorgeous. He said, Jeff, the reason I cut this middle one is because over here is the main, and this one would always be in competition with the main. And the main would only get half of what it needs because this one thought it was the main. And so that was 12 when that happened. And I never forgot that. I want to go to the scripture. I want you to go there with me. And I'll wrap this up. Go to Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this. No one, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, some of you are right now going, whew, man, I'm off the hook. I have no money, right? <laughs> Let me help you or something. <laughs> Neither do I. So, He's not saying money here. He is saying stuff. Stuff that money can buy or just stuff. No one can serve two masters. You either got a main or you have no main. 
Can't have two mains. They'll compete. They'll rob each other. They'll suck juice from the main over here, the one that thinks it's a main. It's not that the main's not good. It's just the main's not the main. So for about seven or eight months this year, started kind of late winter, went into the spring and into the summer, I was not in a good place. And I want you to be worried about your pastor. It's not that kind of place. I was unsettled. I would walk into my office at the church, and I didn't like my office. Not because it wasn't a nice office. Had a desk, had a chair, and had some furniture. But I'm not a desk and chair kind of guy. I'm a people kind of guy. I'm relationships. And I never sat in it. Cindy told me one time, Cindy come and said, I don't think you've sat in your chair in your office in four years only about five times. Now, if you know me, I'm not much of a sitter by the, anyway, but I didn't sit there much because I'm a people person. I love people. I love people's lives. I love their stories. I love be with people. I love to speak in the people. I, I just love to be with people. And I could fill up my day with people all the time and do a lot. And I could right now not take another breakfast or lunch next week, and they're all booked. And I, didn't, I, I don't have to do anything else. And I can fill them up like that all the time. And Melissa and I could take on other couples and do dinner too. We could constantly fill our lives with people. And so I was not happy in my office. Then I became very unsettled in the summer because I was just not, I don't know. No one really, some people knew, but didn't all know. But I was just I was just not in a good place and I was unsettled. I didn't know what. And I wanted God to do some stuff and I wanted God to say some stuff and I just didn't feel like I was hearing. And one thing that I do really, really well is that I sit with the Lord and I hear him. And I don't just hear him, but I hear him when it comes to timing. It's a car gift. And there's a big deal between hearing God and hearing the timing of God. And one of the most important things I do as a pastor is hear God and hear the timing of God. And I just felt like I was not in a good place with that. And I was struggling with that. So, so Paxton and Melissa and I and Carrie, the four of us, we had a trip planned August 1st to go down to Corpus Christi to another church. And we were really looking forward to that. But Melissa and I had just moved in our new house two weeks prior to that. And I had every excuse in the book not to go. But I didn't want to cancel that. And so I'm in this place. I'm not like in my office. I'm not settled here. I just kept saying, God, I want you to do this. I want more here. I want it here. And so we walk in that Sunday morning. And I understand something. When I go to church and I don't have to make a decision or make a call, I really go to church. See, I can have some Sundays off when I'm here and I don't preach, but I'm still the pastor here, right? And it's still not the same. But when I walked into that church down in Corpus Christi, they didn't know Jeff from SWAT. I was a nobody, and I was so excited to be a nobody. And I walked in, and he, he called us to worship, and then we started worshiping. And can I tell you, boy, whoo, he fell on me like a Mack truck. And he said, Jeff, you know why you're not happy in your office? It's not a sanctuary. So you're a sanctuary guy. See, who I am in Scripture is Moses, no doubt. I was a hatched leader. I was born to lead. But here's what I do very, that's very important. Moses got up. He left Joshua as aide with the people, and he went into the tent of tent meetings, and he met with God one-on-one -on -one, like a friend to a friend. 
and those times have gone. They've been replaced by all bunch of voices. And I've sat in worship and God said, Jeff, I want to do this. I want to say this, but there's no room for me. There's no room. See, I want to speak, but there's so many voices you wouldn't hear me. I want to sit with you, but your table's crowded, man. I want to sit in your office with you, but it's not a place I'm welcome. It's not a sanctuary. It's not a haven. It's not a worship center. You went in my office right now. I don't have a desk or chair. It looks weird. It looks like I'm moving, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm about to make a sanctuary, an altar. And I don't want you to be concerned if you're on my schedule next week for a meal. We're going to still do it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, God said, I want to do a bunch, but there's a lot of good stuff that are keeping you from the best thing. And the best thing, Jeff, is for you to sit with me and hear me. I want to commune with you, but there's no room for me, man. Will you make room for me? Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. Here's a simple question. Is there room? Is there room for him? If you're listening online, you may do a lot of good stuff for God. You may come to church pretty consistently. But is there really room for him? If he really wanted to cut something, is there room for him to sit and identify it and would you cut it? If there's really areas that he needs to prune, is there room for him to sit and identify those? And if he started pruning your good stuff, would you see it as negative and stop him? People are beautiful. God made them. Why would God take people out of Jeff's life? Because the maker of people is better. Amen. Hearing from people is good for me. Hearing from him is best for me. Are the voices that you feel like you need around you choking out the voice you really need in you? As we worship, this is the safest house you'll ever be in. There's an individual or individuals in here who know right now for sure they've never tapped the one true vine. Once you leave here, you'll never make the fruit that God intended if you're not connected. Come and give up and get saved. There's some of you that are looking at things you shouldn't look at, touching things you shouldn't touch and taking your feet where they shouldn't go. Some of your tongues are out of control and need to be surrendered. This house, this worship center, this altar, it's for you. And some of you need pruned. It's good stuff. It's not bad. God did give it to you. But that season passed and he wants to do more. The question is, will you let him? Let's pray. Father, simple question is, is there room for you? You want to do what you want to do. You're dying to do it. There's just no place for you. We're just too busy. Our schedules are too busy. So God, I pray right now in this quiet place where you've got the church, 
you'll speak and we'll say yes. We won't think about it, we'll just say yes. We won't think about it, we'll come down to the front. We don't know why we're here, we just came. We know we're supposed to be here. So God, you free us up to do what we need to do in the presence of God and when we make room for you, we'll never be disappointed. So God, have your way now, in Christ's name. Amen, amen, let's worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.